faithwire.com. Hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Today's Friday, June 25th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. Coming up on the podcast today, rescuers are still hopeful to find more survivors in the tragic condo collapse. Um, They're searching all through the night. We'll have the details there. Matthew West responds to critics of his modesty parody song. Uh, And the SBC has called for the immediate abolition of abortion. And the U.S. Air Force, uh, a base, holds a drag queen show all for the sake of diversity. We'll have those stories and more with Trey Gones Phillips from Faithwire.com. Trey, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. So... We're going to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Matthew West's song. And I yeah. just think listening to the rest of these stories, well, at least story number four. I'll say the first story obviously is sad and important. <laughs> right. and the, the third story is, you know, it's it's good to see the SBC doing that. But the second and the fourth story just to me shows like our culture is just like one big parody of itself these days, yeah. it seems like. Yeah, it's uh, and, and have you, I don't know if you've watched this, but there's a um, an account called, I think, Libs of TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I I follow it on Twitter, and it's uh, it's just interesting because you're talking about it being a parody of ourselves, you know, this culture being a parody, and I, and some of the things, white rage and people just screaming because they live in Florida and Ron DeSantis is governor, <laughs> I, just people losing their minds, and you're just like, it, it's hard to wrap your mind about what's happening, and I, sometimes I don't know whether I should just tune it all out and ignore it and hope it goes away. <laughs> Or be yeah. like, you know what? We need to kind of call this stuff out because it's getting ridiculous. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I kind of you can get, you can catch me on either side of that coin depending on the day. Well, I think I got, obviously I want to call attention to this stuff. This is what we do on the podcast and talk about these issues because they're important, like you said. And I I want to discuss them and call stuff out when it's wrong. But also, I kind of feel this push to be like countercultural almost because the the culture right now is whether you're conservative or liberal it's like you're supposed to be outraged all the time yeah so my thought is is like let's let's call out stuff and be aware and be informed about stuff but after i'm done you know writing about it or i've said my piece about it whatever i'm not going to spend the rest of my day being angry about it there's no point like just stop being angry about stuff all the time we don't need to be like living in this constant outrage cycle because it doesn't do anybody any good and it just ends up making you depressed yeah i mean maybe bobby mcferrin needs to make a comeback here don't worry be happy (laughs) i remember the old tune i mean just this little catchy simple tune maybe maybe we need to start getting bobby mcferrin's hit song viral again i don't know i mean if it wasn't probably use it if it wasn't like a licensing issue, I don't know what that would look like. But we could, we should start yeah. ending the podcast with, yeah. here's all of these important stories. But don't worry, be happy. <laughs> you know what? I'm afraid to look up Bobby McFerrin on Twitter. He's probably like <laughs> raging on Twitter and yelling about politics. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. But uh, <laughs> that wouldn't shock me. That wouldn't shock me. So yeah. in today's day and age. So all right, let's uh, let's dive right in into story number one and. I'll start with this quote. Every time we hear a sound, we concentrate on those areas. Those were the words of the Miami-Dade assistant fire chief. Uh, There are 160 people still unaccounted for after that shocking collapse uh, of a Miami-area beachfront condo. At least four are now confirmed dead, but still some hope remains uh, as evidenced by that quote. They're still hearing noises in in the rubble, which is amazing. 
And then footage this morning emerged showing a young boy, uh, looked about maybe either young teen or 12 or something like that. It was hard to tell by the video, but uh, being miraculously pulled from the rubble, somehow surviving the collapse. Um, Rescue workers, um, again, heard sounds all through the night. Search teams are using dogs and microphones to work through the debris in the hopes of hearing more calls for help that could lead to rescues. Miami-Dade Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava noted, rescuers are putting themselves at extreme risk by continuing to work through the rubble of the 12-story Chaplin Towers. They said debris is falling on them as they do their work. We have structural engineers on site to ensure that they will not be injured, but they are proceeding because they are so motivated and they are taking extraordinary risk on the site every day. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis declared a state of emergency yesterday afternoon, um, just hours after the uh, condos collapsed around 1.30 or 2 a.m. More than 80 rescue units in the Miami-Dade area responded to the catastrophe. Um, and if you're looking to help, Miami-Dade Fire said go to supportsurfside.org. Surfside is the town uh, outside of Miami that this happened in. DeSantis said that the TV images just don't do it justice. He said it's really, really traumatic to see the collapse of a massive structure like that. Uh, NBC News asked a family member if they had hope uh, that that member was still alive. And the woman simply responded and just said, our God is bigger than anything else in this life. So you're still starting to hear some stories as we learn about who's in there um, and who's missing. And and we're going to start to see more stories like that. So um, not a lot, not a left right issue here, Trey, obviously, although some people are trying to make it that way. I've seen some political activists criticizing DeSantis for going on Sean Hannity's show last night, even though he was on the show talking about the building collapse. So, um, so got to resist all that nonsense and just continued prayers for, for more survivors being found as they continue the search and for those rescue workers that are on the scene doing the best they can uh, to, yeah. to you know help anyone who might have survived that fall and is trapped. Yeah. You know, the, the political nature of all this stuff is always just so frustrating just because mm. uh, I've seen some of the criticism even of Senator Marco Rubio. Uh, people are saying, well, he's just going there for the political posturing oh. and the imaging. And I think, okay, and if he hadn't gone, what would you be saying? Like, the criticism <laughs> right. would be. So it's just you have to just whether you're conservative or, or more left leaning. If you're a good, a good meaning of person, you've got good intentions, you just are going to have to dismiss that kind of stuff because it's going to come from both sides. And it's just it's useless and it's not helpful at all. But uh, Rubia did say uh, last night that roughly one third of the people who are reported missing are mm. for, are foreign citizens. Uh, and he said a substantial number of the residents who have, who have stayed at those condos who live there uh, are actually from overseas. Hmm. Um, so he said uh, he and a lot of the other uh, law, law enforcement officials and uh, political officials uh, in Florida are working with consulates around the country trying to get family members and loved ones to the United States with COVID restrictions, figuring all that stuff out, trying to find ways to fly them into the U.S., uh, to just begin that process of hopefully rescuing, but also uh, making arrangements if, uh, you know, that unfortunately ends up being necessary. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So definitely a, something to keep praying for. And you mentioned that website, supportsurfside.org. Uh, I think a lot of that money is like going to first responders. It's going to uh, to hospital care and all that kind of stuff. So if you're able to, to give to that, uh, certainly consider doing it. And then also, of course, as believers, we know that the best thing you can always do is pray. Absolutely. Amen to that. 
All right, story number two. So a popular Christian recording artist, Matthew West, I know a lot of our audience will be familiar with him. Mm. He has apologized now uh, after facing some criticism over a lighthearted parody song he wrote uh, about modesty. And he posted a music video. We wrote about it last week on Faithwire. He posted a music video with his daughters and his wife, clearly a parody. They're all four wearing turtlenecks and kind of just (laughs) being jokey about, you know, being modest in in a day and age when immodesty is kind of all the all the rage and you know popular so anyway the 44 year old singer uh who has two daughters like i said uh, he first shared the song last week and he described it as his ridiculously silly way of reminding my kids that their appearance doesn't define them uh, in it uh, he sang that modest is hottest the la- latest fashion trend he urged his daughters to choose outfits that are a little more amish and a little less kardashian <laughs> uh, so clearly a funny song uh, yeah. so but it still sparked some backlash uh, from some who saw the lyrics as more harmful than funny, so he apologized on Thursday. And here's what Wes said on an Instagram post. He said, I'm blessed to be the father of two daughters. I wrote a song poking fun at myself for being an overprotective dad, and my family thought it was funny. The song was created as satire, and I realized some people did not receive it as it was intended. I've taken the feedback to heart. The last thing I want is to distract from the real reason why I make music, which is to spread a message of hope and love to the world. Uh, So he deleted the song from his YouTube and Twitter and uh, Instagram accounts too. So what's the left sign? Well, this this doesn't necessarily fit perfectly into the left-right breakdown, but most of the criticism has seemed to come from people who are are more left-leaning. Recording artist artist Audrey Assad, she said that modest is hottest still entirely centers men and their preferences in the way a woman should dress sets up being hot as the goal for women and positions all men as creeps who can't handle seeing a woman's skin without becoming out of control monsters. She said that she thinks that kind of thinking is demeaning to men and women. And then progressive pastor Jeremy Coleman, uh, he said to Newsweek that he understands wanting to protect your children, but said women are too often shamed and blamed for abhorrent behavior uh, of men. And he posted a TikTok video kind of making fun of Matthew West's video, which was again a joke. Uh, so, what's the right saying? Well, there aren't really many comments directly from the right on this. Um, obviously, people coming out and saying that they support Matthew West and they knew it was kind of a joke. So, there's been some of that, but but not much else. So, why does it matter? I think Coleman is is right in in one of his comments when he said that it's not entirely a woman's responsibility alone, uh, but that men need to take responsibility for their eyes and thoughts and actions. I mean, that that's entirely true. And any mm. like level-headed, you know, good thinking Christian is going to agree with that. But it, the outrage to me, like we were talking about at the top of the hour or at the top of the podcast is just is overblown entirely. I think it's pretty obvious from the start that West's song was intended to be kind of lighthearted and just uh, having fun with his kids and with his wife. And I just think people are way too sensitive these days. Yeah. That's my biggest takeaway. It's like, calm down. You don't need to be so sensitive. And there isn't anything wrong with modesty for, for young men and young women. Right. Like it, no, it's, it, look, I think everybody should do their best to be, as certainly as believers, You know, we should do our best to be modest, whether you're a guy or a girl. Yeah, and I and I think it's a little bit of a red herring when they when they bring up the uh, well, you, it's not on you know, to, like men, it's not the women's fault, you know, job to make men you know not have wandering eyes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I I think everyone would agree with that, but the yeah. Bible says uh, multiple times, you know, to to adorn yourself modestly, you know, in First Timothy, I think, um, and other places. So it's it's not that this is just like 
some dad just going, you know what, dress modestly. Like, no, that's like <laughs> yeah. a biblical value that you should do. It's and and again, that doesn't mean you know it's your fault then if some idiot guy is you know drooling over you or something like that. I think those yeah. two things are separate. Um, but you know, then I see the, I, I forget which pastor it was. I don't know if it was Coleman or a different one, but. Uh, one who fix, quote unquote fixed the song on TikTok and then yeah that was it, Coleman yeah it was Coleman and he said something like in his lyrics like hey just wear whatever you want on TikTok now I don't think that's yeah. good advice uh, especially right. when you see some of the things that are women are wearing on social media like that's that's not good advice either um, yeah. so uh, you know yeah and I agree with you I think the overreaction is just it's it's beyond absurd because. They say, well, you're t- you're teaching them that what they wear, it's, you know, that's what the guys are looking at. Like he says in his comment when he posted the video that their that their looks and outward appearance does not define who they are. So clearly yeah. he's teaching the right things. He's literally just having a little bit of fun with the idea of parents trying to help guide their kids into the appropriate way to dress. And yeah. uh, I don't see any problem with that at all. And, you know, people overreacting to that, it's just kind of, it's kind of frustrating, to be honest. (laughs) And my thought, you know, I don't have kids right now, but I try to, you know, my siblings and I live by this when we're growing up. My parents told us over and over again, I'm, you know, I have a brother and we have a, my brother and I have a younger sister and they taught all three of us the same thing. It's like, you know, respect yourself enough that you're yeah. not going to put yourself in a situation where you're potentially tempting another person or you're, you're acting, you know, promiscuously, you know, whatever the situation is um, because you need to respect yourself enough, respect yourself as a, as an image bearer of God, as a temple for the Holy spirit, all that kind of stuff. So really that's what it's about. I yeah. think that's what's clear with the message that West was trying to get across is like, you know, respect yourself and love yourself enough as a, as a, a person, a human being created in God's image that you're not going to put yourself in a situation where you can be objectified by the opposite sex. Yeah. It's not that it's like, it's like you said, it's not that that means that the other person is off the hook because you are. <laughs> Right. A shirt that was a little bit too right. low cut. Uh, it but just don't means help that them. you need right. to, to respect yourself enough to not help them out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the same reason why um, you wouldn't wear like you wouldn't tell your kids to, hey, just go dress how you want to a job interview and then sh- have them show yeah. up with their pants, you know, with their underwear out, and their pants below their yeah, you know exactly. bottoms. You know, you you would say, well, they're going to look at you and think you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. right? right. And and so. But are you an idiot because you dress like that? You know, could you then say the same argument like, well, you this guy's just judging me. I'm actually not an idiot. He judged me by my pants being below my weight. You know, it's like you, you, there are just certain ways you should dress for certain purposes. And, uh, you know, yeah. again, that doesn't mean, you know, it's your fault that the other person did things. But, you know, you can do your side of things. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Sure. And I think that's kind of where it comes down to. So hopefully uh, Matthew S. doesn't receive you know, too much flack after this. Cause yeah. Cause, uh, it's always such yeah. a, he's always such an uplifting oh, guy. Nice like he guy. Is, he is the, like I've followed him on social media for so long. He never steps on any, any single controversy no. at all, always uplifting stuff and just sharing the gospel. So yeah, I, we've, yeah. I'm, I'm certain that his intentions were entirely in the right place. So hopefully he doesn't get, yeah. uh, he no. doesn't get too much backlash. hundred percent. And he, you know, he's come in to do stuff with Faithwire before and, and we've, you know, hung out and talked to him. Super nice guy. And so, yeah, hopefully this yeah. just blows over and he can move on with doing his thing. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. So, all right. All right. Let's head into uh, story number three. And um, 
while the new president, uh, with a new president and dealing with sexual abuse problems within the church and critical race theory on spotlight at the recent uh, Southern Baptist Convention, one story didn't get as much publicity, and that's what they decided to do on abortion. Uh, the voting members passed a resolution calling for the immediate abolition of abortion without exception or compromise. That wording is key because it signals a more aggressive approach to ending abortion kind of more immediately and more pressing rather than what we've seen over the past few decades since Roe v. Wade, that more gradual approach uh, that a lot of pro-life advocates have favored, such as passing heartbeat bills and, and different restrictions on abortion, which, uh, which are great. And we celebrate those, but, you know, of course, the facts on the ground, the abortions are still continuing despite these limitations. So so I think that's kind of the uh, impetus here behind this resolution. And here's what that resolution says in the conclusion. Uh, quote, because abolishing abortion is a great commission issue, we must call upon governing authorities at all levels to repent and obey everything that Christ has commanded, exhorting them to bear fruit in keeping with repentance by faithfully executing their responsibilities as God's servants of justice and working with all urgency to enact legislation using the full weight of their office to interpose on behalf of the preborn, abolishing abortion immediately without exception or compromise. Tom Askell, pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida, has been one of the staunchest supporters of this resolution, and he wrote, It's time for Southern Baptists to repent of their complicity in searing the conscience of a nation that has yet to cease the slaughter of unborn innocents, he wrote. Southern Baptist churches and leaders do not have to wait to take stronger actions to abolish abortions from our nation's, uh, abortion from our nation's land. So, so I think, Trey, we know the left-right issue on this debate. That's pretty yeah. well documented here. You know, one side pro-choice, one side pro-life. Um, I, you know, but I think this matters because they're the, not that division, but more the division that's kind of happening within Christianity. This, this abolition movement is growing and they're out there and they're making that argument that, well, you know, we're all pro-life here and that's great, but we've still had abortion now for decades after Roe v. Wade. Maybe we need a new approach. And so mm -hmm. you've got this kind of brewing sort of, uh, I don't want to call it a battle, but it's just kind of a debate over what's the best path to go. And yeah. Askell and people that are sort of in favor of this revolution uh, resolution have a desire to be more urgent about ending abortion. And and again, it's starting to gain momentum. I think this resolution is another uh, indication of that. Yeah, so it's interesting going back and reading some of the history of the SBC because I believe it was in 71 uh, and then again in 74. The SBC actually you know moved forward with resolutions that were what would now be considered to be really pro-choice. Yeah. Uh, because uh, they were just, it, it wasn't necessarily like outwardly pro-choice, but it was incredibly vague. Yeah. Like it was talking about making exceptions for rape and for incest and uh, making exceptions for if the mother's physical or even mental health was at risk. And uh, so that's, I think, is what Askell was referring to when he says that the, the SBC needs to repent of their complicity. Uh, so that's part of the reason why uh, they wanted to move forward with such a really like black and white resolution this go round, which was actually supposed to be presented in 2020, but they, uh, the convention was canceled due to COVID. Mm. Um, so it, it got moved to this year, but that's, that's part of the background for why the language was so intense, but there were, it was interesting because there are also some pro-life people, uh, not, not of the left at all, like very pro-life who took some issue with the language because they thought it was 
it could potentially backfire a little bit. Like it's a little bit too strong yeah. um, because they said if it's, if it's, since it's so strong, there, there might be some well-intent, well-meaning godly politicians is what one person said, who want to, to advance pro-life measures, but they're, they're only able to get like piecemeal stuff. And this resolution they, they think might be a little bit too strong because it would potentially paint those people who are only getting small victories as not working hard enough. Yeah. Um, so that was one perspective, but then there were plenty of other pro-lifers who really supported the the resolution. So there's some inter inter movement debate about about the language in it, but I think everybody agrees that it's going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, and I think logically, I mean, it, it really comes down to a almost really a strategic sort of decision, right? I think because everybody yeah. would love to see an end to abortion, um, but uh, you know, at the same time, there then you know, what do you give? What do you take? You know, what are your what are you what are the problems with being too strongly worded? But then logically speaking, are we just going to be consistent, you know, yeah. and not be celebrating when we know if we believe that abortion is a murder of the unborn, do we just celebrate, you know, some restrictions, you know, which will lead to less of them? Yeah, but then it's still going on, you know. So I, yeah. I can understand both sides of the argument there. So, um, sure. you know, hopefully wherever it falls, that it, it just leads to a less abortion and, and hopefully ultimately the end of abortion would be great. So. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep thinking about, certainly keep praying about as believers, because I think we talked about this yesterday on the podcast. What Megan McCain said is just spot on that it's just yeah. it's doing mm-hmm. spiritual harm to our leaders and obviously to us as a country. Uh, so it's it's serious. It's something that needs needs our prayer. And, um, you know, the language, I think, certainly rises to the occasion of how serious the issue of yeah. abortion is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm supportive of it from that front, because I think we need to, like we talked about yesterday, we need to make clear what abortion is, and that's killing a life. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless we're, we're, you know, we're willing to have a conversation right there about that with that kind of language, uh, we're not going to get anywhere. So I think it's I think this resolution could be helpful on that front. All right. Um, so, all right, story number four. So uh, Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada uh, hosted its first ever uh, drag queen show last week in an effort to show service members commitment to diversity and inclusion, according to a spokesperson for the base. Uh, and I have to say, Dan, right, right at the start, I don't know why we've created this bizarre culture where in order to show that you're kind and accepting of other people is... <laughs> fellow humans you have to go out of your way to show it in these like extreme demonstrations <laughs> was the like was the only way to show that that the base was committed to diversity uh, the only way was to put on a drag show on the military base it just to me it just seems like i don't know like it it's just political posturing at its worst uh, so but the event was planned by the Las Vegas Bases Pride Committee uh, and featured well-known drag queen artists uh, or stars from the Vegas Strip. Uh, the purpose of the event was for military members to, quote, discover the significance of drag in the LGBT plus community. Uh, and the base said in a statement that it is committed to providing and championing an environment that is characterized by equal opportunity, diversity and inclusion and said the leaders on base are supportive of these kinds of events because they recognize the value every one of our airmen brings to the team. Uh, so what's the left saying? These kinds of events really come from the left. So progressives are overall really supportive of these kinds of things. 
and what's the right saying? There are several people on social media when they found out about uh, about this show, uh, were pretty critical of it. One person on Twitter said, uh, "I guess the airmen at Nellis Air Force Base have completely mastered air and ground combat, so they can relax with an event <laughs> that has grown men in dresses." Uh, <laughs> Others called it outrageous and unbelievable. And there was even one person, a guy, who said that he likes drag shows and said he's totally fine with it. But he said, I am totally lost on this whole new woke agenda being pushed on our military. Uh, So why does it matter? To me, it's hard to see how we've gotten to the point where this stuff is just entirely normalized. Like, I don't want to be someone who just, uh, you know, condemns things as as a knee-jerk reaction, because I don't think that should be our heart as Christians. But when we see things like this, particularly for our military, that's just like pushing an overt yeah. uh, agenda on politics and sexuality, uh, again, with, with our military money, our government money, uh, that should be upsetting and should at least, you know, raise some questions. Like, you know, should our, should our government or should our military, is this really the role that they should be having? Uh, you know, particularly for our, our, you know, our men and women in uniform. I mean, I just don't understand how this is making our military better or stronger. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, are, are we are we instilling a healthy fear in our uh, fellow nations around the world in our military when, uh, I mean, you know, you, we're doing sorts of these sorts of things. I mean, we had that ad recently. Um, I think it was showing like pregnant women or something on the on the or trans or pregnant women or something like that like kind of like in their training and everything and it's like i don't know i yeah i'm it's very bizarre push for it to be in the military that is a really weird one like i I can't understand the the desire for them to try and and really make headway there um i mean honestly the first thought that comes to mind if it's it's feels more subversive than anything that you're just trying to like weaken the military to be honest um, yeah. You know, when you're talking about putting pregnant women out there on the battlefield and um, and things of that nature, it just it seems absurd and not really worthy of military uh, level. But uh, but it is 2021. So I guess here we are. <laughs> you know, I've so I come from a military family, like so many families, and I've I've always seen that our, our military is kind of a band of brothers and sisters, right? They they're kind of they're intended to to be together, to have each other's backs yeah. and to be, to operate really as a unit, like as a, a family, I guess, for lack of a, of a better term. And I think this kind of stuff, my fear is that it just ends up dividing them. Like mm-hmm. it ends up just dividing our military and pitting them against yeah. one another. Uh, and I don't see how that, like, even if they're still, you know, they've got all of their, their tactical training and combat training and all that. And they're, you know, all that is done and in, and in the right place. But then they have this layer added on top. It just seems like an unnecessary layer of divisiveness yeah. uh, that can cause some friction and division. And the last thing that our, our troops need, our men and women need when they're uh, in battle, going into battle or performing whatever, the last thing they need is to be worrying about what the other's thinking about them or what what is their view on this issue. Right. Uh, you know, to me, it's like, leave that stuff out. Like, they yeah. can have that conversation in their private lives. When they're working, when they're in the zone, they need to be uh, about protecting each other and watching each other's backs. Yeah. Yeah, and it just seems like the, I think you said there, the, the purpose was to discover the significance of drag in the LGB community. I mean, what a needle in a haystack sort of thing to pull out that how is that necessary like you know it's like right 
discovering the albino's place in uh, Eskimo <laughs> lore. Like, what? I mean, what? Why? I, it was just so random. It's such a small thing, you know. I don't know. It's not like this pressing issue that everyone needs to know about. It's like, it's right. like some side topic that you fall in on a like a YouTube rabbit hole or something, you know. It, yeah. It just doesn't seem uh, like some big pressing matter of national security that our military needs to be doing. So, right. um, you know, I want, like you said, keep that out of there. I want them to be good and at shooting guns and getting out of whatever situation they're in alive and winning whatever right. battle that they've been placed in to win. That That's what I want yeah. them good at. Like you said, these soldiers do not need to be distracted with whatever the people believe. All they need to know is, is this guy or this girl going to have my back? When right. we go into battle, that's it. That's it. And yeah. they can, are they going to be able to do their job effectively? So, um, so yeah, so I'd be praying for our military because the last thing we need is um, to start to see what America would be like with a military that's like weakened and uh, and uh, not not able to do its function. So, yeah. Hey, on that happy note, we're heading into the weekend. <laughs> but so uh, don't worry. Yeah, don't happy, worry. You know? Nothing. Just think Bobby McFerrin. Just put that song on, crank <laughs> it, and you're all good. No. Uh, just kidding. God bless. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Head on over to 4 and 3 on iTunes. You can follow us there. Head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. God bless. Have a great weekend. See you back here Monday.